0: Welcome to All Things Cardio-Oncology. My name is Steve Caselli. I'm the director of the International Cardio-Oncology Society, and on this program, we plan to interview key leaders in the growing field of cardio-oncology. Our guest is Dr. Dan Lanahan. Dr. Lanahan has been involved in cardio-oncology for more than 20 years now. He recently moved to Washington University in St. Louis to enhance and expand the Cardio-Oncology Center of Excellence there, and he's currently the president of the International Cardio-Oncology Society, so it's our pleasure to have him with us. Dan, thanks for joining us today.
1: Thank you so much, Steve. I really appreciate it, and certainly uh, very excited to be part of any ongoing development of cardio-oncology, not only in the U.S., but but certainly throughout the world.
0: Yeah, that's great. I think that's one of the unique things about ICOS is our our international reach. So that's a a passion for all of us to see this field grow around the globe. Maybe we can begin today with just a little bit about your personal history. You're a cardiologist, but maybe um, tell us, how did you develop your interest in cardio-oncology?
1: Well, it's kind of interesting. You know, I've thought back on that a few times uh, to see, you know, you always wonder, especially in the medical field, you know, you start out in one place and you have an idea that you want to go this in some certain direction. And then as you make your decisions down the road, you find that you're in a completely different planet. So uh, that's pretty much how it happened. Uh, I can say that, Back during my internal medicine residency training, of course, I was very, fa- very passionate about cardiology. But my second favorite rotation was actually the oncology rotation. And my, my teachers, my my leaders in the oncology uh, division at uh, Wright-Patterson Air Force Base were really great doctors and great examples of how a physician could be. And so I always enjoyed interacting with them. So I think I kind of stored that one away for future reference. And then, you know, time goes by and went through uh, internal medicine and then cardiology training and uh, uh, also uh, finished my commitment with the military. Then, when I was getting out of the military, I uh, came to Texas. And I was in uh, close proximity to MD Anderson, and after a, a few, uh, a couple of years of practice, I there was a job opening at MD Anderson in Houston, and uh, luckily uh, they were interested in a cardiologist, especially with heart failure expertise, which, which is what I had at the time. And when I went to MD Anderson, I just thoroughly enjoyed it, and it was really a a wonderful place to be a cardiologist, but also the other colleagues that were there were really fantastic. And, you know, you're kind of in the middle of probably, or if not the largest cancer hospital, uh, certainly one of the largest in the world. And so you kind of live and breathe cardio-oncology, and that in that setting if you're, if you're a cardiologist. So from that point on, I had uh, really enjoyed that, that moment in my practice. And then since then, to just tried to build cardio oncology at other locations. And now, now at uh, WashU in and St. Louis. That's great. It's
0: interesting. I've heard that from other folks who, in their rotations, they were on one side or the other and um, ended up with a passion for both. And so it's wonderful to be able to combine both those interests. Could you tell us a little bit about the history of the discipline of cardio-oncology? How did the, this global network of cardio-oncology begin to take shape?
1: Uh, that's also a very interesting question. So I think when I went to MD Anderson and I was, I had been in academic setting for, for many years, and so as soon as I got there, I was thinking, okay, what kind, of, what kind of clinical research can we do here that could help improve practice and improve the care that we deliver for our patients? And right about that time, there was a, a paper from uh, my now excellent colleagues in Milan, Italy, uh, Daniela Cardinali and Carlo Cipolla. And anyway, I read the uh, read the article, and I thought, wow, they're pretty smart. They they they're doing uh, cardiology stuff at a cancer hospital, and they seem to seem to be uh, paving a very interesting and effective path. And so I reached out to Daniela at the time, and uh, she didn't really speak English, so she I asked her if she would come give grand rounds at MD Anderson, and she uh, ended up having to take English for like a year intensive until she could be confident that her English was good. Sorry. Uh, and then uh, then she came over for Grand Rounds and we had a, a great uh, visit from her and she did an excellent job. And then from that point on, we really pursued the international presence. and started uh, forming the international cardio oncology society and arranging meetings to have interested providers present and and then continue to try to do research projects together so that was actually um, in 2000 1999 2000 somewhere in that time time frame and then from that point on we just have been building it since then. It's interesting that, yeah, it's interesting that Daniela Cardinale actually published a a paper buried in the annals of papers uh, in late 19, I think it was like 1989, and she posed the question, uh, did there need to be cardio-oncology or something to that effect? So she had been thinking about it for quite some time.
0: That's remarkable. It goes back that early. That's outstanding. What about um, your perspective on sort of the current status of the discipline? What do you think have been some of the key developments in current either research or clinical practice or
1: uh, I think it's really exploded so there's uh, you know just a tremendous number of very important developments over the last few years and each one has added to the previous one. So I think that there are many steps along this path. Certainly uh, several years ago, I think predominantly in 2017, there were a number of guideline-type documents that were produced from major professional societies. And ICOS was contributory to all of them. and. Uh, Uh, But anyway, to have these major professional societies, you know, have an understanding that these issues were important and enough uh, impetus to create a a guideline-type document, you know, it was really wonderful to have that happen. And pretty much all the major societies created something during that year. And then... uh, all along this path, more and more people have become interested, and so our attendance at our organized cardio oncology meetings continued to rise. And then this year was really astonishing because uh, not only were there a number of clinical trials where their primary endpoint was focused on cardiology safety during. During cancer treatment, these uh, these this is you know a major step in the right direction in terms of helping to find the way that we can you know deliver on the best practice. And then the Journal of American College of Cardiology has a family of journals, and they opened a cardio oncology journal this year. And uh, so there's been one issue, and the second issue will be coming out in a couple of weeks and we really think that to have the jack journals on our side as a field as a discipline is is really a key element and then at the same time actually the american college of cardiology has been you know having focused meetings about how to manage the cardio oncology patient and so i think this year will be I'm sorry in 2000 in February of 2020 will be the fourth meeting in a row so each year they've had one and you know the attendance has been very vigorous and you know continues to be a well attended meeting sponsored by the American College of Cardiology so a lot of a lot of big events and and things have have really gone very well that's great
0: what about in clinical practice where have you seen growth and development and maybe where do you see um, continuing needs as well?
1: Well I think the it's it's one of those things you got to really keep pushing the envelope. I think the academic locations certainly in the United States have pretty much all identified the need for a cardio oncology program and have gone to differing lengths to to make sure one is established. I think the, the the next major frontier would be to make sure that all substantial practices also have at least one or two providers that are that are interested in cardio oncology. And then I think really your you're getting out to the large population of patients that could be helped. I think if you only were focused on academic institutions, then the, there's just a huge scope of patients that won't be reached by, by that kind of expertise. I think you really have to get it out into, into the communities and into all the locations where people are being seen.
0: And do you, what would you say in terms of what are some of the the major challenges to, you know, getting this out into those communities?
1: I think the biggest one is, is that, you know, some people just don't believe that it's a thing. I mean, if you can just sort of say it that way.
0: Right.
1: You know, they don't think that this is a big deal. It's not, it doesn't happen enough. It's not serious enough. Um uh, Whatever it doesn't it doesn't impact their daily life. But for the most part, I would answer that by just saying they clearly are, you know, just not aware of what's happening in their surroundings because you don't have to look very far to see where cardio oncology impacts your daily life. I mean, it, it's on the lay press, both news media, you know, TV, radio it's on there all the time. And I think that you know, any time that somebody is being treated for cancer, they're gonna be worried about cardiac status with any number of medications that, that are being used. So, so I think the, the opportunity for improved care is is really everywhere.
0: Yeah, that's, it's been my experience just since I've been involved for a short few months here that I see it popping up in popular media now all the time. Um, I think once your your antenna's up, you start to notice it. Uh, are there any other like key gaps in the research where you feel like uh, concerted effort and energy and resources needs to put towards one particular area, or is it hard to say that there's, there's a narrow focus like that?
1: Yeah, I think there are so many areas. I mean, that's what makes it very exciting is that kind of no matter what you're interested in, there's going to be important questions that need to be answered. But certainly, you know, checkpoint inhibitors as a class of therapies or immune therapy, as it's referred to in the oncology world, is such a massive development in terms of you know therapy for cancer right that you know every person that's being treated for cancer at some point along the way is probably going to be considered for one of those drugs yeah that's great that means that those drugs are probably really good which they are but the the issues are that we still see important cardiac issues uh, luckily they're they're not super common at this point but they're They may even be classified as rare. However, I think that as we recognize them more, um, they will be considered more common. That's mainly to say that if we can find ways to manage those problems so that people can continue to get life-saving therapy, that's really our main goal. Right. So not that the therapy has some particular side effect cuz every drug every treatment has side effects but mm. uh, can we manage them better so that pa- patients can get the best therapy for their cancer that is really our main target that's our main goal right is to is to manage those issues so that heart heart disease in whatever form is not a barrier to the most effective cancer treatment
0: right that's great. That's probably a good place to wrap up. I appreciate your time today. Um, one other question for you when you're not either in the hospital or in the lab or caring for patients, how do you spend your time?
1: <laughs> uh, I have lots of things and anybody who knows me even slightly would say uh, I have a, a huge soccer fan. And uh, also now, of course, I'm a, st louis blues fans so of course between hockey and soccer i have lots of things to to pay attention to outside of work
0: all right well i'm a lightning fan since i'm in tampa now so (laughs) keep an eye on that going forward
1: of course we all know who won the stanley cup last year.
0: (laughs) yes we do all right dan thanks so much for your time i'm sure we'll be on, on this again in the future, both as a guest and doing some interviews with me. So I look forward to that. Appreciate your time.
1: Great. Thank you so much.
0: Alrighty.